Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. This afternoon, anybody like what you feel in the house of God? God bless you as you make your way back to your seat. There is such a special touch of the Holy Ghost in this house. We've rocked on for several days, several nights. And this is it. This is it. And I promise you, I'm going to give you everything I've got. My only request is that you make the same promise that you're going to give this thing everything you've got. Well, you got me nervous. How about the rest of you? Are you going to give this thing everything you've got? We're here. We might as well just go ahead and let Jesus do what Jesus wants to do. Let's lift our hands and let's just feel after the Holy Ghost for a moment. Can you lift your hands? I want you to just pray in the spirit for just a moment. Come on, this is the last service. You ought to be plugged into that flow already. You ought to just be able to flip a switch. Would you lift your hands, close your eyes, and lift your voice, and let's just feel after him for a moment. not just another conference it's not just another meeting but it is a meeting where God pours out destiny this is a meeting that marks people it's a meeting that changes the trajectory of lives amen 1 Corinthians 15 Verse number 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, everybody say first place, was made a living soul. And the last Adam, everybody say last place, was made a quickening spirit. Albeit that was not first which is spiritual, but that which is natural. And afterward, that which is spiritual. The first man is of the earth, earthy. Everybody say, first place. But the second man is the Lord from heaven. And one more time, everybody say, last place. In most situations, first place is better than last place. But in this kingdom, last is better than first. I want to talk to you about a last place 
anointing. Last place anointing. Now before we move any further, I will preface and say that I am here today to preach to the hungry. I understand there are some people in this room, this is your first service to be at Passing the Mantle. And it would do you well to get hungry in this service and go where God wants to take us. I'm preaching to the hungry. If you're not hungry, I'm not preaching to you. But if you're hungry, God's got something for you in this service here today. Last place anointing. So here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to to dictate and let what your neighbor does dictate what you do. And I don't want you to dictate what your neighbor does. But I want you to ask yourself, how hungry am I in this service? Now I know it's late, but we're going to plug in and God's going to take us somewhere. So ask yourself, how hungry am I in this service? And I want you to lift your voice all over this house in proportion to your response to that answer. How hungry are you in this service? We're going to take just a moment right here. You need to let God know how hungry you are in this service. Come on, lift your voice if you're hungry. If you're desperate, you need to let God know I'm not leaving the same way that I came. Come on, lift your voice right now. Let's entertain what we feel in this house. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, let's push just a little bit more. I don't feel liberty to move on just yet. We're going to pause until this thing's primed and ready. Lift your voice. Lift your expectancy. Lift your faith. Come on, Urshan. God's got something for you here today. Come on, that's it. God's finding out who's hungry. God's finding out who's desperate. Praise God. Praise God. Let's put our hands together with desperation, with expectancy. Praise God. Praise God. God bless you. You can be seated. Numbers are of great significance throughout Scripture, especially considering... There's an entire book in our Bibles called Numbers. One is the number of unity. But the number two can complicate things just a bit. Because the number two speaks of difference and division. Because as God ordered the chaos of the world in Genesis 1, it was the second day. That he divided the waters. 
Two can also be the number of witness. Because out of the mouth of no less than two witnesses, every word is established. If two different parties agree on a testimony, then that means the testimony is solidified. And while one is the number of unity, two introduces another party. Those two parties can either be in agreement or they can be in disagreement. But our point of focus here this afternoon is that the number two is also a number of contrast. With rare exception throughout scripture, when two individuals were coupled together on assignment from God, it was to show the contrast between those two individuals. And perhaps the most infamous of pairings were Cain and Abel. Cain being the firstborn and Abel being the youngest. Abel was a keeper of the sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And when the process of time was completed, Cain offered the fruit of the ground to the Lord and Abel brought the firstling of the flock. The Bible tells us that the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. But unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. Motivated by jealousy after seeing the success of his brother, the firstborn rose up and slew the secondborn. Of course, we can't forget about Moses and Aaron. Moses was raised in the comfort of Pharaoh's house while Aaron slaved under the Egyptian sun. Moses spoke with a stutter, but Aaron spoke clearly. Moses was on the mountain worshiping Jehovah, while Aaron was at the bottom of that same mountain worshiping a golden calf. Isaac had twin sons named Esau and Jacob. Esau was the firstborn, and Jacob was the youngest. But scripture does not say he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But it says he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And there is a reason God said, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. No doubt Saul and David, the first two kings of Israel, were nothing less than polar opposites. Saul was the people's choice, but David was God's choice. Saul was chosen for his stature, but David was chosen for his heart. Saul represents the senses, but David represents the spirit. Saul represents feeling, but David represents faithfulness. Saul represents emotion, but David represents devotion. Saul wanted position, but David just wanted God's presence. Samuel was anointed, uh, Samuel anointed Saul with a vial, which releases a drop of the anointing. But Samuel anointed David with a horn, which releases a flow of the anointing. So Saul's kingdom was fleeting, but David's kingdom was forever. 
Paul said the natural is first and the spiritual is last. Which is why the first man, Adam, preceded the last Adam. The last Adam was rejected before birth when there was no room for him in the end. The last Adam was rejected by his own people when he came unto his own and his own received him not. But can I tell you, a last place anointing is what caused the one the builders rejected to be elevated to the place of the church cornerstone. Now let's talk about Jacob and Esau. Their grandfather Abraham was called to leave his country and possess the land that God had called him to. And God said, I will make of thee a great nation and I will bless thee and make thy name great. And although this promise would not be fulfilled through Ishmael, who was born of the flesh, but it would flow through Isaac, the son of promise. As a matter of fact, in spite of his DNA, Ishmael was not even acknowledged as Abraham's son, but Isaac was called his only son. So God extends his promise from Abraham to Isaac and says, in Isaac shall thy seed be called. But Isaac soon realized in order for the blessing to extend beyond him, he has also got to have a son. And the Bible says, Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And there were twins in her womb. And the Bible says that the first came out red all over, like a hairy garment. And they called his name Esau first place. The one who by law was to receive the double portion because he had the birthright. The one everybody expected to be great. The entitled one. The one that man would have selected. The one that nobody overlooks and the one that nobody ever counts out. But after that came his brother and his hand took hold on Esau's heel and his name was called Jacob. Last place. The one who by law should receive a secondary blessing because he did not have the birthright. The one nobody expected to be great. The one who was not entitled but the one that was hungry. The one that man would have never chosen. The one that's always overlooked and always counted out. Reaching for first place but before he ever leaves his mother's womb, Jacob, the heel grabber, the supplanter, the least and the last. But the Bible tells us Esau finds himself weary from a day in the field and asks Jacob to feed him. I know this is a Bible story we all know and it seems elementary but just go with me. God's going to take us somewhere here today. And Jacob says, I'll feed you if you sell me your birthright. And Esau feels like he's about to die and sees no value in the birthright. So he trades his birthright for momentary satisfaction. 
So Esau got what he was hungry for, but Jacob also got what he was hungry for. And the Bible said that Esau despised his birthright. That word despised there literally means to be held as worthless. But you have to understand Esau did not despise his birthright because he sold it, but he sold his birthright because he despised it. Can I tell this generation that it is easy to trade what you do not treasure? And then eventually Jacob gains not only the birthright, but he gains also the blessing. And Esau discovers he will not get the blessing and says, is not he rightly named Jacob? For he hath supplanted me these two times and he took away my birthright and now he hath taken away my blessing. There is some error to the statement that Esau made. Esau said, Jacob took away my birthright. But Jacob did not take his birthright. Esau sold his birthright. You have to understand the difference between the birthright and the blessing. The birthright goes to the firstborn. It signifies he's the head of the household. And the blessing on the firstborn is only as great as it can be if he possesses the birthright when the father is ready to bless him. Which is why Esau had to settle for a secondary blessing because when the father got ready to bless his eldest son he did not have the birthright and Hebrew tells us that when he would have inherited the blessing he was rejected for he found no place of repentance though he sought it carefully with tears don't be deceived here today it was not repentance that he sought with tears it was the blessing that he sought with tears Esau wept over the wrong thing because he should have wept over losing the birthright. The difference between the birthright and the blessing is the birthright was about who he was, but the blessing was about what he would have. The birthright was about his identity, but the blessing was about his inheritance. The birthright was about his position to the father, but the blessing was about his possession from the father. The birthright was about relationship but the blessing was about reward. Esau wept over losing his reward when he should have wept over losing his relationship. That's why this generation has got to understand we cannot compromise our identity and still expect to keep our inheritance. I don't ever want to be more concerned about keeping my ministry and my platform and my pulpit that I am keeping my salvation. We've got to let God recalibrate us in this generation. We do not live holy and live separate so we can get the solo or get the position or get to preach passing the mantle. We live holy and separate so we can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I am thankful for every blessing God has given me but more than all of that I am thankful for to know I am a child of God. Is there anybody here today that'll say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't ever need a pulpit or a microphone. Just give me the Father. Just give me Jesus.
and the Abrahamic covenant. It was generational. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But Abraham and Isaac had an advantage that Jacob did not have. Abraham alone was called to get the blessing. Isaac was chosen before birth to get the blessing. But Isaac had twins. Jacob had to fight to get the blessing. Abraham was appointed to be blessed. Isaac was appointed to be blessed. But Jacob had an appetite to be blessed. Jacob's blessing did not come by inheritance because he was in last place. Jacob's blessing came because he wanted it more than the one that had it first. Esau said, I'm about to die. I don't need the birthright. But if he would have just held on through the struggle of the hour, he could have kept the birthright. He let go of something he no longer thought was necessary necessary and there have been a lot of people that have gone before us uh, that let go of things that they no longer thought were necessary uh, but Jacob was a heel grabber he was born reaching for the blessing uh, and to everybody else that might have seemed like a flaw but when Jacob wrestled with the angel he said I won't let go until you bless me because when you want it bad enough uh, God can take what's wrong with you uh, and he can make it what's right with you. And Esau would have already let go of the angel just like he let go of the birthright. But Jacob in the struggle, uh, you're still holding on. Uh, I understand that there's a generation. Uh, there is a struggle in this hour. Uh, and the enemy wants to tell this generation uh, that there are some things that are no longer necessary. And in the middle of a struggle, you're being tempted to let go of it. Uh, but I believe after passing the mantle this week, uh, there's a generation that's saying uh, we will not let go of things uh, that are still necessary. Acts 238 is not up for debate. The issue is already settled. Uh, holiness inwardly and outwardly is not up for debate. I wish I had some help beyond the first three rows in this house. Uh, we're not a generation of compromise. Uh, we're a generation that's sold out. We are apostolic. Uh, we are one God. Uh, we are you ought to shout in the devil's face right now and say, I'm not letting go of the gospel. I'm holding on with everything I've got. Give God some praise for the doctrine in this house. Abraham had Isaac and Isaac had Jacob but Jacob had 12 tribes descend from his DNA so Jacob's revival was greater than the previous generation's revival why do you think God did not say he'd pour out of his spirit on all flesh in the first days but he said I'll pour out of my spirit on all flesh in the last days this is a Jacob generation and God's about to give this generation the greatest revival that the world has ever seen. I'm glad I wasn't alive in the days of Abraham and the days of Moses or the days of the apostles and Jesus. I'm glad to be alive right now. This is the 11th hour and God has trusted this generation with the greatest hour the church has ever seen. If you're glad to be part of the last place generation, you ought to shout in this house and let God 
know we're thankful for the hour. We're up for the task. We're not backing up. We're not retreating. We're going after it with every... I'd rather be alive in Revelation uh, than alive in Genesis uh, because in Genesis uh, the first Adam lost uh, but in Revelation the last Adam wins. Uh, we're not anointed uh, with a first place anointing. Uh, we got a last place anointing. Uh, you're an overcomer. You're you ought to be on your feet shouting right now and saying thank God for this end time. Thank God for the 11th hour. Give God praise in this house right now. Lift your voice. Come on, let God know how hungry you are for this end time revival. The natural precedes the spiritual. That's why Saul was anointed before David was anointed. And when Samuel showed up to the house of Jesse, he said, I'm looking for the next king of Israel. And he said, I want you to take all of your sons, Jesse, and follow me down to the temple. We're gonna kill a sacrifice and we're gonna worship. And when you read your Bible, every son of Jesse went through the cleansing ritual. They went through the process of sanctification. Everybody else that was a candidate for an anointing to lead the nation of Israel, they got all of the dirt out of their life. They got all their imperfections out of the way. They got all the filth out of their life. And they all passed before the prophet. And the prophet said, the next king of Israel is not here. He said, is there anybody left? When you study that word left, it literally means, do you have any leftovers that you forgot about? And here comes that little ruddy shepherd boy from the backside of nowhere. He didn't get to go through the cleansing process, but with the fragrance of the field and the stench of the sheep on his clothes. He knelt before the prophet and that oil flowed from the top of his head down to the soles of his feet. You want to know what God's saying in that? He's saying when you're desperate for me, I'll take your dirt and I'll mix it with your destiny. You don't have... You don't have to be perfect. Give that back to me. You don't have to be perfect to be anointed of God. You just got to be desperate. You just got to be hungry. And God will use you in your imperfections. I told you I'm preaching to the hungry. Those of you still sitting, you're not bothering me. I'll preach to the hungry in this house. And all of a sudden, David says, I can't stop here. He said, this was just my first anointing. But he said, I'm gonna keep walking with God. And God's going to anoint me in front of my family. And I'm gonna keep walking with God. And God's going to anoint me in front of the tribe of Judah. And I'm gonna keep walking with God. And God's going to anoint me in front of the entire nation. There came a day where his destiny was greater than his dirt. You hear me in this house. If you're desperate for God to use you, there will come a day your future is greater than your flaw. Am I passing the mantle here today? You ought to let God know I don't have it all together, but I'm still desperate for you to do something in my life. Let's lift our hands and let's pray in this house right now.
Give me a young Bible college student, a young man that's hungry. Run up here. Run up here. Lay down on your stomach. Just one of you. Lay down on your stomach. Stay right there. Sometimes being hungry requires you to do things that don't make any sense. Sometimes being hungry requires you to do things that other people think are foolish. And David knew what it was like to be in last place. But when God elevated him to the position of the king of Israel, he said, I want to know, is there anybody left in the house of Saul that I can show kindness to and let him sit at my table forever and let him eat of my bread continually? He said, is there anybody left? That word left there also means leftovers or remains that you have forgotten about. And they said, King, there's one boy by the name of Mephibosheth of the house of Saul they said, but there's one problem. He has been paralyzed since he was a child. But David said, if you can get him here, he doesn't have to be perfect to sit at my table. He just needs an appetite to sit at my table. Can I tell you, as long as you're hungry, you don't have to be perfect. There's always room at the king's table. You ought to say, I don't come from the right family. I don't have the right last name, but I'm hungry. And so he couldn't even walk uh, to get to the king's table. So he said, I got to crawl. No, don't get on your legs. You don't have any legs. Uh, I got to crawl to the king's table. Nobody's going to hand this to me. Uh, I got to fast to get to the favor of God. Uh, I'm not entitled. I'm in last place. Uh, I've got to sacrifice. Uh, I've got to consecrate. Uh, I've got to sell out to God. Uh, I've got to intercede. Uh, I've got to have all night prayer meetings. Uh, why? Because when you're in last place, uh, you gotta crawl. You gotta crawl. Nobody owes you anything, baby. You gotta get it in your gut. I'm in last place, uh, but I'm desperate. That's right, if you don't want this, you stay quiet. But if there's a Mephibosheth uh, that says, I'll crawl my way to it, you ought to get out in your seat and run to this altar and say, I'll take it, God. I'll take it, God. You see this posture right here? You see this posture right here? Brother Herring hit the nail on the head earlier. The elder Herring. He hit the nail on the head earlier. He said everybody wants to preach youth congress. Everybody wants to preach passing the mantle. Nobody wants an altar. But when you're in last place, 
The altar is all you've got. Hold on. You're looking at a young man. None of you know who I am. And that's all right. Because my goal isn't notoriety. My goal is to just have a place at the king's table. Listen, I come from Bogalusa, Louisiana. Nobody knows where that's at. Dirty South, baby. I come from a broken home. I live 60 seconds from two different sets of projects. I was in my bedroom the other day and I heard gunshots down the road. Don't let the southern draw fool you. It's where I come from. Nobody from nowhere, broken home. I know what it's like to wake up one morning and your father's closet is empty. I know what it's like. I know it sounds cliche. But I know what it's like to be raised by a single mother trying to make both ends meet, working multiple jobs. Waiting on tax returns just to buy us Christmas. I know what it's like to get kicked out of our home because after the divorce they couldn't come to an agreement and our home got foreclosed on with no place to go. Y'all don't mind her. She's just hungry. She's in last place like me. I just heard some of you laugh. This ain't funny. This is my life. Don't let anybody tell you you got to have the right last name. And I'm not knocking a last name. Brother Justin Gleason, Brother Caleb Gleason, what I can say about them is they've sacrificed and consecrated like their daddy wasn't Stan Gleason. Let's pray right here. Lift your voice. There's hunger in this house. Some of you need to become acquainted with that posture right there. You're standing around waiting on a new revelation for me to wow you. I told you I'm just here for the hungry. Either you want it or you don't.
Listen to me for just a moment. If you're on your knees, I want you to look up here for just a moment. Pastor Gleason, Caleb, would you come stand up here? Elisha sees Elijah. <clears throat> and he had every opportunity in the world to separate himself from the last generation. Elijah gave him opportunity after opportunity. And Elijah looked at the, last, the next generation and he said, If you want this, when I'm carried away, you've got to be there. I'm going to tell you, there's power in proximity. My position to the last generation determines my position from the last generation. And there were 50 sons of the prophets who stood on the other side of the river. And then you got this little farmer boy, nobody from nowhere, who says, I might be in last place. But I'm hungry for it. And all of a sudden the last generation is carried away and his mantle falls. And the next generation rends his garment. And leaves that behind. And puts on the mantle of the elder. And watch this. We read about what he did do to the mantle. He picked it up and smote it on the ground. And the river parted. And his first miracle was his final miracle. We're at an intersection in the kingdom of God. Well, we are picking up where they left off. But watch this. We talk about what they did do to the mantle. But we never talk about what he didn't do to the mantle. He didn't pick that mantle up and say, well, it's just a little bit big in the sleeves. So I think I'm going to tailor it a little bit. Well, you know, Acts 2.38 worked for the last generation, but my culture, this fashion, just doesn't speak my culture's language. So how about I just take it up in the waist a little bit? Well, you know, the church down the road, they're growing a large crowd, but they baptize in the titles Father, Son, and Holy Ghost and just tag Jesus on the end. Maybe if I just take the shoulders in a little bit, it'll be more appealing to my culture. Well, it's just the dead ends. You hear me, Elisha generation? You better not be deceived. We are the last place generation. And he did not mess with the mantle. He did not alter or tailor the measurements. Not one single inch. But he picked up where the last generation left off. And the Bible does not say he saw less miracles. He saw double the portion of miracles as the last generation. If you want the blinded eyes open. If you want the lame to walk. If you want the... You better leave the mantle alone. We're in last place, uh, but that's all right. You better leave the message alone. 
You better leave the doctrine alone. It works. Here's what I'm going to leave you with. Here's what I'm going to leave you with. At Passover, the entire nation of Israel was meant to be the firstborn of God. They were all supposed to be a nation of priests. But when Moses is on the mountain, you've got everybody dancing around the golden calf. And Moses comes down and he asks a question, who's on the Lord's side? The last tribe to stand for Jehovah was the Levites. And so what does God do? He says, I want you to take unto me the Levites instead of the firstborn. And they got the blessing and the birthright because they were in last place. And they wanted it when nobody else did. And God said, whenever you set up the camp of Israel, I want you to take the Levites and I want you to position them closer to the glory than any other tribe. Why? Because it is the privilege of the firstborn to protect what is most valuable to the Father. This is a last place generation. And you've been trusted with something. Boy, I feel like You've been trusted with something that no generation before you has ever been trusted with. And it's called end time revival. It's called the 11th hour. So here's what's about to happen. I told you I'm only preaching for the hungry. If you're not hungry, you can hit the back door. This is for the desperate. This is for the desperate. There's a Jacob in this house that says, God doesn't owe me anything, but I'm more hungry for it than anybody else in this room. You hear me in this house? God is no respecter of persons, but he is a respecter of hunger. You might out-pedigree me, but you will never out-hunger me. I'm desperate for this. This mantle's about to hit the floor. When I count to three and I drop this mantle, I want you to find a place to pray in this house. And there needs to be a Jacob that says, God, I'm not letting go without a gift of the Spirit. I'm not letting go until you burden me for a city to go to. I'm not letting go until you place the call of God on my life. I'm not letting go. And let me tell you, if you're really hungry for it, you'll take this message and you will never miss another day of praying. Oh, you're hungry right now on this altar call. But what about when your friends are playing basketball at Urshan? Are you going to find a prayer room and wrestle with God until he gives you a word? My pastors asked me a question. My pastors asked me a question since I was 15 years old. When I didn't feel like praying, when I didn't feel like scrubbing a toilet, when I didn't feel like washing his vehicle or mowing his yard, when I didn't feel like doing anything... He would look at me and he'd say, how bad do you want it? And that question haunts me still today. How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? 
How bad do you want it? When I count to three, you need to respond in proportion to your answer to that question. How bad do you want it? If you want it bad enough, you'll lay on your face. Uh, you'll crawl up on this platform and lay before God and wrestle with an angel. When I count to three, this mantle's fallen. Who's going to pick it up? I'm looking for somebody in last place. you got a chip on your shoulder because you're desperate. Are you ready? When I count to three, you need to lift your voice uh, and go after it. One, two, the mantle's about to fall. Here we go. Three, pick it up, Elijah. Go after it. You're in last place, uh, but that's all right. We're desperate. God doesn't owe us anything. We are desperate. I'll pay the price. Come on, Jacob, wrestle. Wrestle. I won't let go until you bless me.